Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. March Madness is here. If you find yourself out watching the game, drinking, don't drive. Take an Uber. Call a taxi. Call your friend. Call your parents. Call somebody. I don't know. Don't get behind the wheel. But if you do, and if you get pulled over, and you find yourself in trouble, there's only one name you need to keep in mind. Marcos Garza. Before you say guilty, say Garza. But he doesn't just do DUI defense. He also does personal injury and criminal defense. If you find yourself needing a lawyer, use the people who support us. Marcos has been with the podcast for well over a year now. He might as well be a uh, founding member of the Ranch Gang. Marcos Garza, GarzaLaw.com, 865-540-8300. Let's get to the show. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Welcome into another edition, Reed's Ranch, Thursday, February 28th. That means we are officially heading into March. By the time you wake up on Friday, it will be March. Uh, the madness will be here. Shout out to Will Warren, who joins us remotely in Knoxville. William, thank you for making time tonight. How are you tonight? I'm doing very well. And as the noted philosopher John Rothstein says, this is March. This is March. Has he tweeted that yet? I guess he hasn't since it's not March. But At 12.01 a.m. tonight. So I'm, I'm setting tweet alerts. This is March. It's it really is one of my favorite traditions every year. That and when he says uh, whatever team uh, runs like a Fortune 500 company after every single win. Do you think we would have gotten one? Do you think we would have gotten a this is March last night if it had been March? That felt like a that felt like a game that deserved a this is March, right? Absolutely. That was uh, well. I mean, one obviously you have the game winning basket with four seconds to go, but how many games? end on a game-winning charge. What were your thoughts on Admiral taking that charge? Uh, well, when the when the Ole Miss player pulled up for the shot, it was ab- abject horror because I feel like in that situation, um, I would prefer just him to go straight up on the shooter. But I, I also felt like the, the way SEC officials have called things this year, I was very much expecting that to be a block and, you know, three shots for Ole Miss and there goes the game. But it didn't turn out that way. He got away with it. And, you know, if you go back and look at the replay, it's a correct call. He got set. He didn't slide. He was there for, you know, almost a full second before the shooter hit him. So it was the right call. Uh, Would I like to see him do it again? 35 feet from the basket with two seconds left? Probably not. But this is March. 
How many times have we gone to Grant Williams in the clutch needing a bucket and gotten them? Because I feel like, excluding the Vanderbilt game, because quite frankly, I wasn't paying close enough attention to that Vanderbilt game. I was keeping up with it on my phone. I wasn't actually getting to watch it. Um, I'm thinking that every time we've had to have a bucket, we've gone to Grant the last two years and gotten one. I'm sure there's been some times where it's failed, but you know it happened twice against LSU. Obviously, you did it last year against Loyola, and then last night, down one, no panic, find the, find Grant top of the key, and then kind of get out of his way. Right, and I think part of it why you know the question of how many times have we done that is Tennessee just hasn't played many close games. Um, you know, you had uh, obviously the the Gonzaga game in non-conference, but Grant Williams fouled out of that early, and then the Kansas game, but also Grant Williams fouled out there. Those are the only two real close games against quality competition. So uh, I do I do really think prior to Kentucky, the last time we'd seen that happen, that top of the key go to the rim was Loyola. So we didn't have to do it against Alabama? There were no moments against Alabama where we had to give Grant the ball and him bail us out? I probably am wrong on this, but I seem to remember somebody missing a shot and then there being a tip in that gave Tennessee the lead. Okay. Well, it seems like we have a go-to play that we can get a big bucket on. You do love to see it. That's something that I thought was a huge positive, obviously, coming out of last night. You can give Grant the ball and get out of the way Eventually, teams are going to start collapsing and, you know, you're going to have to kick it out for three and give it to someone who's open. I I guess now that I think about the Alabama game, I believe we had a chance to put that game away and we tried that and Grant got called for a charge, right? Didn't that happen? Didn't didn't Grant get called for a charge there? That's what I'm thinking of, because that was the play where John Petty came down and turned it over. Yeah. Yeah. Right before that, right before that, Grant got called for a charge and we didn't get... It, I remember we didn't get in the set until like eight seconds left in the shot clock. So yeah, then he he, he panicked and tried to force his way right and got called for a charge. So uh, I do think you'll start seeing teams throw different looks in those late game situations. I think in the tournament, teams are going to most likely make Lamonte or Bowden or Bone or Admiral hit a shot in that situation. Like Admiral did at Florida. Remember that it was a similar situation there where Grant, had the ball top of the key, kicked it to Admiral in the corner, and Admiral drained the shot. And, I mean, that's critical because we know Grant Williams is a phenomenal passer. He really is. So it it makes it even harder to defend late in games to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable. I think he's our playmaker, right? Like, uh, I feel like that's the set we have to go to when we need a bucket is just try to let Grant create. I think that bodes well for him at the next level. His passing skills, obviously, uh, but here in college, it's it's Bell, Tennessee, out of a couple of uh, tough situations. I would agree. What other what other big takeaways did you have from last night? Anything? Um, you know, I thought it was pretty important that Tennessee won on a night where they didn't shoot well from three. You know, Bone goes zero of two, Turner one of four, Bowden zero of four. Uh, Schofield is really the only player that had any you know high end stuff from three last night, but that happened. And you know, as I said on the discord Tennessee posted their lowest offensive rebound percentage in seven years last night wow like since the Conzo days <laughs> so I mean you, you has that you alarming had a from three sorry go ahead well I was just gonna ask is that alarming because Ole Miss wasn't necessarily uh 
a bunch of big men on the floor last night. They played a pretty small lineup, and I, I know that Kyle was hurt, but for Tennessee not to get offensive rebounds, is that something that you're worried about, or is it just kind of a one-game statistical anomaly? Uh, I... <sighs> It's both an anomaly and something I'm a little worried about because Tennessee has had two other sub 20% performances on the boards this year. Now, in one of the in one of those games, it didn't matter. It was the A&M Corpus Christi game in December. But in the other, Vanderbilt in overtime, it did matter because Tennessee wasn't getting second chance opportunities at all on a night where Grant Williams, you know, had to bail them out with 43 points. So. Unless Tennessee's getting those second chance opportunities and crashing the boards, and I know that they had some concern last night about making sure Ole Miss didn't score much in transition, and I thought largely Tennessee did a good job in transition uh, and has all year. I mean, at some point you've you've just got to go to the boards. I thought it was pretty weak, um, pretty weak outings from Schofield, who I he was going to be the goat had uh, Tennessee not had that late game turnaround because of missing out. This was an offensive, but he missed out on the defensive box out that gave Ole Miss a second possession with 40 seconds left. And, you know, part of it you can chalk up to Kyle not really being able to play. But, I mean, still, you you need more than one offensive rebound from Grant Williams, one from Schofield. You got zero from your backcourt, which actually is a little unusual. Uh, Fulkerson, John Fulkerson had half of the offensive rebounds last night with two. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty alarming. So my my answer is I'm not worried yet. And actually, Tennessee has had better outings as of late uh, against LSU. They out rebounded LSU and really held them off the defensive boards for the majority of the game until overtime. And last night, this glosses over a really good defensive rebounding outing from Tennessee. Uh, Ole Miss only had seven offensive rebounds on 35 opportunities. So. I think they're able to do, depending on the night, one thing or the other very well, but it's been a while. Um, I guess you could say uh, South Carolina a few weeks ago, but it's been a while against a high-end team since Tennessee's had a, a rebounding performance like what I'm hoping to see in March. Is it true that Pons only played two minutes last night? Pons only played two minutes, and so did Jalen Johnson. As did Derek Walker. Right, but man, it felt like Pons was it felt like Pons was out there for a lot longer than two minutes. But hell, maybe it was just an action-packed two minutes. Well, it was because he in his two minutes he packed in a, a posterization of himself, uh, um, packed in a turnover too, and a, well, I guess he committed a foul in the dunk, right? Yeah. So and he and he had the drive to the bucket, but you you knew as soon as he got dunked on, that was it for him for the night. Um, we don't we don't we don't use posters anymore, Will. No, no one's buying sports posters in 2019. I, we just we just make that a clip on the internet. What whatever. This call getting gift. He got gift. He got gift. But he he really did have an action packed 2 minutes and not just because of his own actions but because you had the Walker Fulkerson lineup for 2 minutes and you had the Pons Fulkerson lineup for 2 minutes. And Tennessee was minus eight in those four minutes. Yeah, it seems like I'm obviously I'm I'm good with Fulkerson playing. I thought Fulkerson played pretty well last night. I thought he had a good game, just straight up. I just feel like with Fulkerson, he needs to have one of Grant or Admiral out there with him. Yeah, I don't think for the rest of the way, unless Pons is really willing to commit to shoot more, 
which I think we've seen for uh, two months now. He's not. Uh, for the rest of the way, you can't play a second non-shooter with Fulkerson. It, it has to be four of Williams, Turner, Schofield, Bone, Bowden, or Jalen Johnson playing with him. Any of those four. Was last night a result, in your opinion, of Alexander having the flu? Or is this just kind of what Barnes has been doing lately and I haven't really, I don't want to say paid enough attention, but just kind of blocked it out of my mind? I think it was for sure the flu because, I mean, how else was John Fulkerson going to play 19 minutes against an NCAA tournament team? But with that said, I mean, well, I mean, you could tell Alexander wasn't well. He had those two blocks at the rim on plays he normally finishes pretty easily. Um, He didn't get an offensive rebound. You know, it, it was, you could tell he wasn't well. And I'm, choosing to assume that's why Jalen Johnson didn't play at LSU or much last night either uh, because I, I don't know how somebody watches the last month of Tennessee basketball and doesn't come away with the feeling that Jalen Johnson right now is a better option than Pons. On the patron discord which was a lot of fun last night during the game we have a thread going up right now for some podcast podcast questions since we are talking about Ole Miss before moving on to Kentucky I do want to go ahead and hit the question from The Real Weeks. He asked, after getting a Quadrant 1 road victory last night, do you think this team finally settles in again and starts playing like they did to start the SEC season? Like, was last night a stabilizing game, in your opinion? Because it was a Quadrant 1 win. Tennessee needed another one of those. It was their sixth one of the season. It was a big win, despite it being very stressful and it not looking like Ole Miss is a good team. That was a quality win for Tennessee. Do, do you think it helps them settle down? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if we're being honest, that not now now it turns out Florida is starting to look like a decent win after their uh, latest run, but you hadn't really beaten a surefire NCAA tournament team since Gonzaga. I mean, we, we all think Florida's in now, but you know, for a while there it was looking pretty hazy. I guess you could say Alabama's right on the bubble as well, but you hadn't beaten a surefire team since mid-December, a surefire tournament team since mid-December. To beat Ole Miss on the road in a game where you didn't get much from three, uh, you weren't really forcing turnovers, and you didn't hit your own boards very well, uh, that's a good one to steal. And you know we'll get into this soon, but I think it's reinforcing to me, at least, Tennessee's defense is getting back on the right path over the last three games. Uh, they've held, you know, all they held Vandy to their season low in points per possession for the first 34 minutes of the LSU game. They were holding LSU to their second lowest points per possession of the year, and they held o- Ole Miss well below their normal points per possession last night. So I think if I think of nothing else, the defense has definitely taken a turn for the better. Okay, yeah, I mean, I think whenever you hold, what what do we hold Ole Miss to in the second half? 32 points. I think that is obviously. A huge, a huge number there. Like that's a a good sign for Tennessee's defense. Right. And I mean, you did this on a night where for what would we say? 35 minutes, Ole Miss was shooting very well from three. And I mean, you still largely held them uh, out of the game within the perimeter. And even, even on the perimeter, I thought Ole Miss had some guarded shots. I believe they finished at 39%. That's a, you know, a solid shooting night, but uh, you held them to only nine makes. I think that's uh, that was a key number. Right, and you forced them to miss, I believe, their last four three-point attempts. That's a pretty big number there. 
you know, you got the stops when you needed to. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously people are going to look at, you know, for the second straight game, Tennessee gave up a bit at the rim. And how much of that is Alexander being out? Of course, when Alexander was in, he didn't look good at the rim. And how much of that is just Ole Miss has guys who were efficient all year at the rim and stayed efficient last night? We'll see. But I think, if nothing else, Tennessee is starting to show the signs of real legitimate improvement on perimeter defense. What about a perimeter offense? Because it was shitty, to say the <laughs> least. You hit three threes. You only attempted 13 uh, what is going up with Tennessee's three-point shooting right now? Is it just as simple as Bowden's not giving you anything and Bone's been sick? Well, uh, obviously you're having the Bowden run that's been uh, not ideal as of late. And uh, you've, you've had the sickness throughout the team, but I do think Tennessee's just gotten unlucky on some shots. You know, LSU, they had more open shots than uh, guarded ones. They only went 8 of 22 from 3. That's not a bad night, but it's not an ideal one. Last night, uh, of the 13 threes, I went back through the Synergy play-by-play data, of the 13 threes they shot, seven were open. They didn't have a defender within four feet. They only hit two of those seven. Okay, so I shot 13 threes. Seven of them were considered wide open, nobody within four feet. And you said they only hit two of them? Yeah, and then, of course, one of six are the ones that were defended. That comes out, like, what, 28%? Yes. Uh, Yeah, that's... uh... That's a bad night, especially because it wasn't like you had Fulkerson out there shooting threes. It, these were your guys that you want shooting threes. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, like like you said, it wasn't a night where you had to have like a rushed. I, I don't even recall really like a rushed two seconds on the shot clock Jordan Bone step back three like we seem to see every other game. Most of them were good shots. And so, I mean, on a night where they're just not going in. I'll say that's a little concerning. I'll say that's a little concerning in the sense that you aren't making those shots, but promising at the same time because you're still generating open looks. Right. Tennessee remains one of the best teams, uh, not only in the NCAA, but especially in the SEC, at generating open threes. So I, I, I don't find it that worrisome as of now. And considering Tennessee shot pretty well from three on the whole this season, I don't consider it that worrisome going forward. I mean, you didn't have great nights from anybody, and the— Part of the issue is the only surefire three-point shooter you've had this year is Schofield. Everyone else has been fairly streaky. But Bowden, Turner, and Bowen have past histories of shooting better than they have. All right, we spent way too much time on Ole Miss. Let's talk about Kentucky. When you look at this matchup here, is Kentucky doing anything recently that gives you more hope for this game? Where are you at, first of all, on this game? Do you think what happened in Lexington gets corrected here, that Tennessee should be favored and should win this game? Like, where are you at just before we dive into it? Because I feel like Tennessee should win this game, especially with no Reed Travis or whatever the hell his name is. With him being out, I think that's obviously uh, helpful for Tennessee. Yeah, I agree that they should win this game no problem. I honestly think they should win this game if Travis was playing, period. Um, part of it was, what's his name? Travis Reed or is it Reed Travis? Reed Travis. Name? I'm going, okay. I was going blank right now. Sorry. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't a huge factor a in the pain. first game. I mean, he only shot the ball four times. That might be why you're forgetting. Uh, I, I kind of, I kind of disagree. Like he was scoreless in the first half. So his 11 points all came in the second half and helped them pull away. So I, I kind of disagree with that take there. 
Yeah. And I remember you mentioning last time about how they never made P.J. Washington go any different direction than the one he went all night. So Synergy in their play-by-play data breaks it down, you know, like what block did they get the ball on and which shoulder did they turn to? Was I right? Uh, it was left shoulder. It, all five all five post-ups he had against Tennessee were on the left block. He turned to his left shoulder and made his he made four of those five attempts. The fit, the miss came with two minutes left in a fifteen point uh, margin. It didn't even matter. Yeah, every single time, every single time it was left block. He'd throw in a shoulder fake, and then he'd go to the middle of the middle of the court, middle of the lane, drop that left shoulder, and shoot a little right handed baby yeah, hook or that whatever. That was that was it. And Tennessee could not stop it. And it, but the, what was frustrating in the first game was it, it didn't feel like Tennessee was, you know, overly concerned about stopping it. I thought they got, they were less physical than Kentucky. Obviously that was especially pronounced on the boards, but you know, you saw Washington beat and bang around down low and it was like Tennessee had no answer. I think the, the adjustment this time comes in ten, with Tennessee has to send a message early. I think, you know, you can make a legitimate argument. They were a little afraid of the refs last time and I'd hear it out, but you can't be afraid of the refs when you're playing at home. You should have an innate, inherent, uh, you know, two to three foul advantage at home. I, I, I mean, you should. So, I mean, our, our guy G-Man has been pretty consistent on that, thinking that Tennessee fans have to make a statement on Saturday and just really bully these officials into giving Tennessee a good whistle. I think Ole Miss set a great benchmark that as long as you don't throw cups of water and ice and all that crap on the floor, you're probably good to go. So yes, I agree that they should uh, do everything they can to influence uh, the officiating of this game. That might be the best uh, the best joke you've made in podcast history, Will. It's pretty good. I'm very proud of it. Because uh, I noticed we got a question about why is the team scared of P.J. Washington? And I don't necessarily think they are. I just think he's more physical than just about any other player Tennessee has on the schedule this year. He's he's different. They're talking about it. They're talking about it. Tyler Hero was making a joke about it after the game up there in Lexington, talking about how uh, you know Grant and Admiral are afraid of P.J. Washington. I don't know if you saw Admiral's quote last night, but he kind of referenced it. That was the real-life version of admiral liking a tweet that talks that's talking trash about him he referenced it last night in a interview portion of the post game i did see that did you see that i did okay. uh it's it, he is really the the best player i've ever seen at tennessee at both holding a grudge and never forgetting something um but ten- that gives me some hope that gives me some hope that they are going to be aggressive and really take this personally that means that they feel that means they feel a little bit punked. That feels like they got punked a little bit in Lexington. I hope that means that they come out and they try to make a statement. At least they're aware of it. That way, if they get punked again, they're going to be shamed. And, and you know, obviously, you're not trying to you know screw up the flow of the game or whatever. Hand them free throws. But at center, you have 15 fouls to use between Alexander Fulkerson and Walker. If you got to go in there and you know shove uh, Washington around to send or to send a message, you have to do it. Wow, Will Warren advocating for sending the goon in, a la, a la John Fulkerson. <laughs> well, I was going to say John Cheney. Do you did, do you remember when John Cheney did that? Yeah, he knew. And then they asked him about it, and he said, "We I sent to the goon. 
I set the goat in. He gets it. That's why he was so good. He broke old boy from St. Joe's wrist, I believe. We we don't want to go that far, but... That was one of my favorite memories of uh, college basketball from when I was younger was whenever he, he screamed about how he sent the goon in. <laughs> and that guy had to walk around the rest of his life being labeled as the goon. Derek Walker, you're saying, needs to come in and at least knock P.J. Washington down a couple times. And, and you know, I, I exaggerate a little with the fouls you can use, but you can play physical, tough defense on a player w- without, like, driving him through the floor. I mean, and, and it's what I've been asking for from Walker and all season, and really Alexander for the last month. You can body up Washington, push him around, shove him around, and make him take tough shots. That's what Florida did. Florida, he had 12, he went 6 of 12 on two-pointers against Florida, but he missed all five of his shots away from the rim because Florida kept pushing him and kept pushing him and kept forcing him to take shots from 5 and 6 and 7 feet instead of layups right there. You have to be willing to push and shove, and if you get called for a foul, whatever, the crowd can influence that. I think that's pretty clear. What did Tennessee do in Game 1 in Lexington that was good. Was there anything that Tennessee did in that game that they can recreate? I mean, they made their free throws. Okay. (laughs) Well, in all seriousness, they didn't turn the ball over much at all, and I thought that was legitimately good. They won the turnover battle 11-9. It wasn't that they forced a ton from Kentucky necessarily, but Tennessee largely... Just held on to the ball. They did a good job of that. I I didn't see many Kentucky deflections. I don't recall seeing a ton of bad turnovers. Bone made a couple, and Grant made one in the post. That was bad. But aside of that, I mean, it was just, you know, you're going to turn it over a few times a game. You just have to limit them as much as possible. And I think it's encouraging, really, that Tennessee has done an excellent job of limiting turnovers over the last five games. Uh, The highest turnover rate they've had since – the Florida game on February 9th is 18.8, which is, you know, still an above, uh, you know, above the national average or better than the national average. And they've had uh, three other games of 15% or lower, including last night. They only turned it over on 13% of possessions. I, I think they're doing a really good job of taking care of the ball. And that does matter for getting uh, the most out of your possessions. What's the one thing Tennessee needs to change? from what they did in the game against Lexington. I think you've just got to have more ball movement. Um, you know, Tennessee had a good amount of open shots against Kentucky that just didn't go down, but I think you would have liked to see more. And I really think, uh, you know, I, it's been nice watching the whole mid-range thing. I've had, like I said on Twitter, I've had to break my brain about mid-range shots a little bit this year because Tennessee is so good at them. But just take it to the rim. Draw a foul. Yeah, I mean, like... I'm sorry, Admiral Schofield, you you have gigantic a gigantic body. Like you can take it to the rim and be physical with PJ Washington and draw a foul. You can take it on Nick Richards. Surely to God you can take it on Nick Richards and draw a foul. I, I, I don't I don't think it's that hard to go to the rim aggressively and draw a foul. Uh, you know, even though I do think Schofield gets a bizarrely unfair whistle. Can I interest you in a uh, Lady Vols update? Please. Uh, They're down seven in the fourth quarter at home to Vanderbilt. (sighs) We need Seth to start tweeting about the Lady Vols again. There was a time when he did. 
I, th- I think he could be the one to get Holly out. If you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash reads ranch. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun on the discord. Uh, the patrons get a link to the discord. It's a chat room where we could talk about pretty much anything. I got a lot of open, uh, I guess, rooms right now. There's some TV show and entertainment. We talked some true detective, some survivors, some WWE. There's a game of Thrones uh, movies. Will Warren's been talking about music. And then, yeah, we've been doing game threads. As well, it's a lot of fun. If you want access to that, go to patreon.com slash reads ranch. Let's get to some patron questions uh, that were posted in the Let Discord. Let me say the Discord is way better than Twitter. Way, way better. Oh, yeah. My tweets have really gone down since I have started getting active on this Discord. Instead of going to tweet it to my dumbass followers, <laughs> I just... That was that was the quote Seth used, by the way. I love my followers. Uh, instead of tweeting, them, tweeting out my thoughts, I just post them in the Discord. It's a lot better, a lot easier. A lot higher volume, too. Yeah. Yeah, you, it doesn't matter. You can't overpost in there. You just get all of the thoughts off you need to get. BJ asks, is there any circumstance that we lose to Kentucky and don't push the panic button? He says, ruins probably isn't the right word, but getting swept by Kentucky pretty much ruins this season for him. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily... Uh, a you know a glaring like Tennessee's immediately going to go out in the round of 64 round of 32 loss Kentucky is a top five team but if you're really serious about contending for if you're really serious about making this the first final four in Tennessee history I think you have to beat Kentucky for anyone to believe that's going to happen so yeah I, I wouldn't I would say if they lose this game you can definitely push the panic button on anything beyond like the sweet 16. I would say that as far as the season getting ruined, it could be like the inverse of last year where you got swept by Kentucky and then beat them in the, or lost to them in the SEC championship. If that worked out this way or this worked out that way, I guess where you got swept and then got your revenge on Sunday in Nashville, I would say I'd probably take that trade. Right. I mean, there, there are like a few different points in the elite eight season where you could have said like, Oh, this season sucks. And, it's not fun anymore. I, I remember Wayne Chisholm getting hurt at Florida and them losing by 15 or 17 or something. And that they weren't even like top four in the, I, I think they were barely top three in the division at that time. And at that point I was like, you know, this team is not even going to make it out of the first round of the tournament. That, that was like a real panic button smash loss to me. Kentucky, not it wouldn't ru- a loss to Kentucky wouldn't ruin the season for me because Tennessee can get a third rematch with them, but you would like to go into that rematch at one and one. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously really want to win this game on Saturday. It's a chance to make a statement. It's a chance for the team to make a statement just to Kentucky and the rest of the SEC and the nation. Like, hey, yeah, I know you were quick to drop us after we lost to Kentucky, but we just got our win back at home. And they aren't just some dominant team that out-physicaled us. And, you know, we're not scared of P.J. Washington. It's just college basketball, and it's really hard to win on the road type of thing. I was going to say, I, I I think that the beyond just the team-wide stuff, I would love a win so we can shut down this stupid P.J. Washington SEC Player of the Year discussion. Go get that title, Grant. Go get that title of Player of the Year and that SEC regular season title. A.J. asks... P.J. Washington sucked the first two months of the season. 
Does player of the year, it only counts conference games though, right? Uh, uh, yeah, but. Yeah, but, I mean, he's been pretty damn good in the SEC. Standing by my point. Go on, ask the question. AJ asks, why can't we rebound anymore or did we ever? Has our rebounding changed or is it pretty much consistent to what it's been all year? Uh, it's been about the same. I think Tennessee was just better in non-conference play because they're mostly beating up on crap teams. I mean, Tennessee only played Tennessee only played three tournament teams uh, as of now. You know, you don't want to discount something happening in a conference room, but as of now, three tournament teams in non-conference. Against Louisville, they had a 30% offensive rebound rate. Kansas, 29. Gonzaga, Gonzaga, they did have 35. And that won them the game because they couldn't hit anything from two. Um, that's, that's why you need to rebound the ball, is it can really save you on a night where you're not shooting well. And as we all know, it's hard to shoot well and then say tournament consistently. You just go to so many different places. But uh, I think it was better against bad teams Later on, uh, I think it's been pretty disappointing against like the road Vandy game or especially last night, but I would say it's a big time encouragement to me that Tennessee has is seeming to improve on the defensive rebounding side. I'm not willing to give up on this just yet, but I do need a good like a 40% plus outing against one of these final three uh, opponents for me to be happy. Donovan asks, do we think our guys are gassed? He says he doesn't think so. But our performances have gone down since we got bullied by Kentucky. Are we gas in your opinion, or are we just playing better competition? Will better competition? I mean, so although, uh, although I do although I do think the guys have been sick, like I do think that maybe makes them look a little bit more gas. Like obviously Jordan Bone and Kyle Alexander have been gas. You know, the last couple of games. Yeah, they've been sick. I, I I don't know if some of these people have had the flu before, but it's not great. Um. I, I wouldn't say gassed, and even with those, you know. Hey, chill out, Willow. Donovan was just asking a question. You have to be mean to him and bully him. <laughs> I love Donovan. I, I drew his avatar for him once. You don't have to wish the flu on him. No, uh, we're anti-flu. Uh, this is this is the first anti-flu podcast in Knoxville, FYI. But I, I I don't think there's really even a statistical sign of being gassed. There was more of one to me during that. Uh, stretch of where you had the the real bad struggle against Alabama and then the road issues with Vandy and then you started off really poorly against West Virginia that was the part where I thought Tennessee might be running out of steam but then they picked right back up and blew out five teams in a row um gas to me would mean they come out against Kentucky and they lose by like eight plus points it, it, something like that where Kentucky controls the flow of the game and it's becoming clear that Tennessee's best days are behind them. All right, well, Warren, I ask you this on every every weekend preview. Uh, power rank the players in terms of importance uh, and, and for Tennessee to get a win against Kentucky. You've got to have a huge Grant Williams game defensively, uh, more so than offense for me, because you cannot have the same thing happen with P.J. Washington twice in a row. This really should be a big manhood game for him. If he is truly the SEC player of the year. He's got... No marbles. He's got no marbles. Have you seen uh, Major League Two, Will? I've only seen the first one. Oh, okay. Then you probably are wondering what the <laughs> hell. That's pretty good, about. though. That's a good little impression. It makes me want to go watch the movie. He's got no marbles. That's where the uh, Sam Cassell testicles thing came oh. from, where he juggles his balls. 
as he's hitting big big shots. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a there's a Japanese baseball player who who questions the big man's uh, marbles basically because he's gotten soft and then he hits a home run and then as he's running around the bases he juggles okay. his balls. Interesting. So that's where that came from, I think, with Sam Cassell. Well, now I definitely want to see this movie. That's the that's the highlight of it. I mean, it's okay, but it, that's the that's definitely the highlight. All right, so Grant Williams, number one. It's a manhood game. Go out, snatch your manhood back. Get your balls back, Grant. Get your balls back. Can I do a tie at number two, or is that not allowed? No, we don't do ties here. This isn't soccer. Two and three, then. Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden. You, you've got to have good shooting nights from both of these players, and uh, predominantly you've really got to get good defense from at least one, if not both, on Hero and... Uh, probably at some point Bowden will end up having to defend Keldon Johnson a little bit, though that's mostly Schofield's matchup. Um, if this is another game like the first one where Harrow and Johnson are wide open from three, five or six times in this game, Tennessee's losing. It, there's got to be good cl- closeouts. You cannot have the deal where Lamonte Turner gets lost in space. Really, this is not a game Pons can play at all to me now that I'm thinking about it because Pawn seems to get lost every single possession uh, when he's got a shooter to take care of. So uh, I, you cannot have, you can't have an outright bad game from both Bowden and Turner. You can survive an okay game from one or the other, but one of these two has to come out firing. Tyler Hero was running around saying he's a walking bucket. Do you see he's, that? He's, Do you see that during the Arkansas game? There's a he's really risen up the the Riley Lachance scale for me of players that I would just love to never watch again. The 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 co the co award of Aaron Craft and Riley Lachance. Uh, I'm I'm already sick of him, and he does they doesn't really have NBA prospects, right? I mean, I don't know. He's just a freshman, right? Yeah, but I mean, he came in as like easily their worst recruit in last year's class, but has ended up being. Hell, he's been there. He's been their second best player. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it, I'm hoping he does because I don't look forward to watching him another year at Kentucky. All right. This is a new question I'm going to ask. All right. Give me the most important stat. Hmm. If Tennessee wins this stat, they win the game. Or if Tennessee wins this stat by this margin, they win the game. You do it however you want, but. Uh, this is basically just me asking you the key of the game, but I need I need you to do it statistically. Well, I think an easy one is three-point percentage. Uh, you know, we've had these struggles for most of conference play. Tennessee, you know, they gave up double-digit threes four straight games in January, gave up 12 threes to AM, gave up 14 to South Carolina, a team that doesn't shoot the ball well. And, you know, in the first game against Kentucky, it didn't matter much because Kentucky didn't have to shoot threes in the second half. But when they did in the first half, they got any open shot they wanted just about. P.J. Washington took a couple tough ones early, and that was it. Keldon Johnson was wide open on most of his. Uh, The two heroes shot, or however many he shot, he was open. Tennessee has to hold Kentucky, in my opinion, to 30% or lower from three. And Tennessee also has to shoot better than they did in the first game for three. They only shot 28% on 25 attempts. I think this is a game where Tennessee's got to find a way to get to 40%. Because likely, unless we see something different offensively, Kentucky's going to win the rebound battle. Tennessee can win the turnover margin like they did the first time out, but it's only going to matter if Tennessee's forcing hard shots. 
All right, you heard it there from Will Warren. If you want to have access, uh, well, just you know, check out Show Me My Opponent. It will post tomorrow, usually around 11 a.m. on Fridays. Patrons, you know that. It hits your inbox about 11.15 by the time I get it up and posted. Uh, just check out for that. If you want access to that and you're not a patron, patreon.com slash Ranch. It's worth the $2 a month minimum. Although we love you the more you spend, but we still love you if you spend too. But yeah, it's worth the price of admission itself. We'll appreciate the time. Go enjoy the rest of your Thursday. I'll get the podcast posted. Uh, I'll talk to you all later. Absolutely. Have a great weekend.